Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Moderno. He's Jihadi White. Jihadi, we are back. Feels good to be back here and talking some Wizards basketball again. What's up, Matt? Matt Derny. What's up, my man? Look, man, it's great to be back. Was on a little uh, vacation, but, you know, I'm back here. You know, I love it. Enjoying the, enjoying the place to be where I want to be, where I need to be. Yeah, you got to make the most of the offseason here because uh, once all these games start and stuff, <laughs> there's not a lot of downtime to uh, to look away from this stuff. A lot of a lot of moving parts. So a uh, little slow week. I think people were probably taking their own vacations and uh, it's a good time. Good time. Oh, yeah, it gets real during the season. But that's the that's the great part about it. It's, it's, it's what we love is what we know. I like football, too. But to be honest with you, I'm ready for basketball to start already. Like I'm 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 at that point in the summer. Like it it, it needs to get going here. When I see football, I, I always try to like football. My son mm-hmm. played football. Um, I watch all, you know, like watch first take, watch everything about football. Sure. But all the only thing that football season makes me think about is basketball is coming. <laughs> right, exactly. It's the warm-up for the basketball season. Yeah. yeah. They always talk about basketball viewership doesn't really pick up until after the Super Bowl. And I'm like, by the time – basketball starts i've stopped caring about football just as much honestly oh yeah all i i'll bet am i still on yeah you can all basketball does is anticipate me for football because i yep. know as soon as i i mean all football does is anticipate me for basketball as soon as i know but when during the season during the summer when mm-hmm. i play in the nba if football rolls around and you're not in Ultimate game shape by then. <laughs> exactly. You got to be ready. Yep. Exactly. You're, you're going to, you may get cut. Do, <laughs> you may get a write up from in the news with the, with the coaches and the staff saying, you know, with the organization saying he wasn't prepared. Yeah, for exactly. Training camp. You, yeah. you better be in training camp shape by the first football game you see on TV. If not, you're like, I'm done. I'm not, I'm, I won't be ready for this season. We will be in training camp uh, level shape here for the pod. This is our preseason training camp here. We're getting ready just like the team, uh, getting into our uh, midseason form here a little bit. Uh, got a plenty of things to talk about here, but before we get going, uh, brought to you by Stateside Vodka and their hard surfside, their surfside hard iced teas, hard lemonades, hard all that good stuff, and BetOnline. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, UFC, tennis, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, on your favorite casino and card games and head to the website or use our promo code believe e-l-e-a-v for your 50 percent off welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts all right cool now we got that stuff out of the way here let's just hit the good stuff in the last couple days uh the wizards did their first of kind of several media day check-ins so michael winger got up there did an opening statement and said the wizards goal was to build a sustainable contender and was insistent that they won't take any shortcuts uh, and that they're looking really long term at this so i think that's good one that they've got a commitment from Ted that, Hey, you know, like you're going to have some years to put this together and build this the right way, but a uh, sustainable contender. I mean, that's, 
there were definitely a couple of years in these Wizards runs where like they could have made a you know made a dent in the playoffs, but I would have never said like sustainable was really a word for even their closest to contention team. So um, I don't know. Do, do you buy that? Do you think, uh, I'm sure that's their goal. I guess how realistic do you think that is? It's realistic as they make it, right? Because yeah. I mean, the reason they say sustainable contender is because that's something that the Wizards have never been mm-hmm. in a long time, right? Yeah. Really just have not ne- have Since never the 70s, been. 70s. Right? <laughs> I mean, that- sustainable means consecutive over and over, yeah, right? Exactly. So, yep. so they know that if you just go get a lot of great players now, maybe you can you'll make the playoffs, maybe you'll make a, a, a big dent. Mm-hmm. But it'd be a flash in the pan. Exactly. Right. These days, they know they what first of all, they're saying, Hey, you a hey, hey, Wizards fans, you have to be patient with us. Right. Give us some time here. Give us some time. The other thing is, Wizards fans aren't that patient. <laughs> like, I mean, we're still hanging around after 25 years of of uh, mostly not that good. I yeah, mean, but so. I mean, even we were talking about earlier, if we're not winning early in the season, yeah, people check out. You know, fan fan participation drops off heavily. Oh, for sure, right? Yeah. So they the, the the owners and the you know GMs and the, the organization knows how the fans are, you know, and they know who's loyal to. You know, there's a, there's loyal Wizards fan. I'm not. I'm saying there's a lot of them. I played there. I love yeah. the Wizards fans, but. They're looking for the long haul and something they compete with. They want to be, you know, they want to go to consecutive playoffs, consecutive, you know, and fight for championships. They want to be there. They want to be in the talks with the Milwaukee Bucks, the Golden State Warriors, the Lakers, the the Boston Celtics. You know, you want to be a contender with those teams. Mm-hmm. That starts off with a great player out the gate, young player, and building around or a duo franchise cornerstone kind of guy. Yeah, at two, least. two young duos usually. You know, sure. just like Sacramento, I think Sacramento will end up being a long-standing, sustainable contender. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see, and it's all about the right pieces coming together, and the pieces sure. come together slowly. Sometimes it falls in your hand. To me, Sacramento, that's more of a the the pieces were already there. They just need to know how to work them. Golden State. No one on Golden State was a top guy. It's all role players. You can't tell me before we knew Steph, before we knew Steph Curry like we know him, Klay Thompson like we know him, Draymond Green like we know him. Those guys weren't role players. Yeah, that's why it worked so well. Yeah. Yeah, it worked so well because no one. No one was – everybody came in there unselfish, mm-hmm. right? And now we've seen ball movement in the NBA like we haven't seen since Red Arback days. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so all of those things play a factor. So they And they understand that – they've seen it. So they understand what growing looks like and what, what, what it is. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like Miami is probably the team I would most try to emulate if I'm them, because even when Miami doesn't have the star, like the star power or the firepower, they're rebuilding with undrafted guys and they keep this thing rolling. They're not getting lottery picks every couple of years to re jumpstart this stuff. It's hey, this guy went 38th overall. And by the way, he's a starter by year two. Like 
that's the kind of thing you've got to be able to pull off too and and like really work things around the margins. And that's really where I think the Wizards have kind of not been as successful, at least for the last decade or so. Right. But I think with Miami also, Pat Riley always keeps a fruit a few Pat Rileys. Yeah. If you really you look that. at it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it always keeps a Jimmy Butler is a is a Pat Riley. He's not a leader <laughs> of uh vocal leader. He leads by toughness. Right. Udonis has them. Right. They have MFers. You need a couple of MFers. Right. And so what that does is filtrate throughout the team. Right. So he knows as long as I can filtrate toughness throughout the team, I can make it there. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's all different types of leaders. So so I so I think you you have to take and I like how the organization has done it with the GMs and all the the team they put together. Right. Mm-hmm. Not the, not the actual players. But the staff, the organiz, you know, the, the GMs and all of that, pre- mm-hmm. basketball operations, all of that. So, which means they understand all the different ways that each team that they've, all the team that they've been around and and has has helped build, all the specific ways that they really made that team grow or mm-hmm. the, the process. Right. So now you can bring all those separate elements and processes to one process. Well, now you so we have a mastermind organization. We have the right organization in place to make this thing yeah, happen. I think so. Right. So that's so when they're saying, hey, let's be patient with us. We want to build a sustainable thing. They have the knowledge to build something sustainable. And I think it's easier to be patient when you can kind of see that a little bit too. When it looks like there's no plan, it's like uh I, I can't stick with you here. Like, I don't know where we're going. When these guys are telling you, like, this is what we're going to try to do. It's going to take a couple of years. This is the the kind of things we want to build around. Um, we'll talk about it here in a minute, but they've really beefed up the player development portion of the coaching staff. Like, we're going to build internally. Like, okay, all right, I can sit back a little bit. I can give them a little benefit of the doubt here. Like, this year might not be too good, but did guys get better? Like, is there hope for the future? I can watch they're a bad changing, team if you know. Not, not cut you up. They're changing the culture inside yeah, out. Right, exactly. They're changing the entire culture and the system mm-hmm. of the Wizards. Yep. Right. So they're going from a AO, you know, from an AOL to Apple. Not nothing gets AOL. I, I love Ted, but I'm just, you know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, they're yeah. Next they're changing the, the and that's so that's the great thing that they're doing it inside out. Right. Right from the from the bottom to the top instead of from the bo- top to the bottom right and so and like you said what's great about it is you can trust the people they have now if yeah, they say you like, places. Gonna, yeah. you're gonna have to prove me wrong more than prove me right now. exactly yep right and so that's where my comfortability is, is i trust the entire team they have even just some of the fringe moves we're seeing right now probably would have gotten trashed a little bit more under the last regime, but it's like, okay, well, they've got something in mind. Like I maybe don't see the picture or how it all fits together, but I trust that they're building towards something specific like that. You know, that'll be good. Like the Taj Gibson pickup as the 38 year old third center. I, I would have been like, okay, well, why don't we get a young guy? But how many veterans do we need? But it's like, all right, well, they, they must have seen something there that they clearly think he can bring to the table for them. I don't think it had anything to do with the court. Yeah, right. Exactly. He's he's Remember, he had some toughness. You, and that you always hear guys like us saying they I hate that the NBA stopped having veterans and 
on the bench leadership right. and in the locker room leadership on the bench. Mm-hmm. That's something that stopped existing. Only a few teams do that now. Right. That r- validated everyone, the, the organization for me, that they mm-hmm. say, look, we're doing that again. We saw how Taj helped, you know, speaks to the young fellas, how he puts them under their wing, how he can he can end up being a person in our organization one day. He has he has those qualities. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And they did. That. I was I was happy to see that. At first I said, why? But I was yep. like, this has nothing to do with him playing. This has to do I, with Jordan Poole. Yeah. yeah. You know, keep, some, keep, keep guys in line, push them in the right, right. direction, that kind of thing. Yeah. My original thought was like, how many veterans do you really need? It's half this roster. We could have used a young center prospect, but Danilo Gallinari might not be here after the trade deadline. DeLon Wright might not be here after the trade deadline. Like if they're bringing Taj in, presumably he's not going to have a ton of trade value. He's a guy that will be here the court, like the course of the season. Uh, And Anthony Gill, he's a fringe roster player. He might not be here long-term. So um, signing Taj, he's the guy I would expect of the, the veteran presences to kind of make it the full duration of the season. Um, so I think that that's really where they were going with that. And I'm like, okay, cool. All right. I, I get, I get the plan a little bit more here now. If, uh, if Tommy had done that shit, I'd be like, what is this dope doing? I, I don't, I don't see, uh, I don't see the plan here, but right. Yeah. Uh, Winger also said we will hit the gas when we have the absolute perfect road to hit the gas on. So, Hey, we will go all in on some of this stuff. But it has to be when the time is right. It has to be for the right guy. You know, again, not just you have to be patient with us, but we're going to be patient. I like that too. And uh, he also said that Jordan Poole is a pre-prime player and one that they want to continue developing to expand his game and that we'll see him play on the ball a lot more this season. So I, I think that's good too. Try it out. See what he can do. Give him all the reps on ball, off ball. You know, this year should be about figuring out what guys can and can't do, fully evaluating them, and are they long-term pieces for you? Yeah, Vanderpool would be is going to be great for Jordan Poole. Yeah, I think you're right. Pool and Poole. That'd be great. For yeah, Jordan, there you go. Right? Love that. Um, because it's not Jordan Poole has all the skills and all the latest swaggy moves and all mm. and, and all the reads, mm. right? It's just um, the stability, the, the stableness, the the soundness that you need to really implement. And then also he needs some old school stuff. He needs to understand, okay, I, get, I did one of these new style moves to get down here. Now I'm in a pickle, right? Do I just throw something up or now do I see who's available? Can I now see the periphery of the court? Let me, let me purposely... He needs some Chris Paul. Jordan Poole needs now a, a little bit of a Chris Paul element. That leadership guard now being a general, being a quarterback. He needs to add that quarterback element to, to the Wizards and to his game. Once he gets that quarterback element in his game, you will have one of the top sound, top sound basketball minds in the game. Because, because most points at his position aren't as skilled he is. But no, he's full bag. Yeah, he just needs the IQ part. Yeah, and that's what you said when you played with 
with David, he was that kind of guy, right? Like he was the, right. uh, the heady point guard, you know, made the smart decisions. Like he was mm-hmm. the right kind of guy to pass those things along. Right. Just, just a, he just not saying he's not smart because you won't be able to make the reads and do the moves to get down here if you're not smart. But now it's about the, the science and the technical part. Once he get mm-hmm. that technical part, part down and David Vanderpool can really implement the technical part that Jordan needs to run that team and quarterback that team. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, they talked a good amount and made a big press release about totally revamping and reconstructing uh, the coaching staff. And at first I was like, well, okay. They kept literally all the key assistants from last year, except for like Dean Oliver left. Uh, but they added Vanderpool. They added Brian Keith. That's some like top end coaching talent. Uh, but then looking at it, they took um, Landon Tatum, who was an assistant coach on the Capital City Go-Go last year. He coached the Summer League team and made him the key player development uh, coach for the team and then gave him a staff of like five assistant coaches specifically focused on just how do we help these guys work on their skill sets throughout the year. And honestly, that's kind of refreshing. Like that's not like some of the player development guys the Wizards had, uh, Ryan Richmond, Alex McLean, were really good, but it's it was like two or three guys for the whole team. Now you got right. five, six, seven guys plus the coaching staff. Uh, there's no excuse for them not to be able to like help these guys improve, and and that's something Wizards fans have been clamoring for for I don't know. Well, not only that, now forever. it makes it uh, mandatory for those guys to come in and, and put the, put in a time, not only in right. practice but individually. Yep. Yeah, I think so that's like we don't want only want you. We want you guys to become better individually, not only for yourselves, but the better you are, the better the team would be, the more reliable when things break down. We know. Right. Longest, you know, and, and those the player development guys, sometimes it's, it's funny. So sometimes the player development guy will work with you. But. All on team concept things. Mm, OK. Now, so it, it depends. Are they going to work on the player individually and build the player as a better player? Or are they going to work on that player to say, hey, we need to work on this swing that we're doing a lot. Let's keep going over this swing in me in time. Now let's go. All right. So that's the difference. As a coach for me, as me being a coach, I want you to be better for you. So when anything break down, I can depend on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and that's a really good distinction for fans to be aware of, too. Like a lot of times you'll see a guy on the side and the assistant coach looking at things on the iPad. And are they looking at film of the player or are they looking at, hey, here's this play and how you should have moved on it? And I'm hopeful that with this young team, there's more of an emphasis on, hey, Daniel Gabbard, let's sit here. And every day we're going to spend 35 minutes you working on your jump hook. Right. And it's not just. Okay, here's how you rotate. Here's how you play drop coverage. Uh, it's one thing if you're a veteran team and you just need everybody to fit together. This year should really be about like how do we improve the skill of our players? Each individual player. Yeah, exactly. Right? How do we make six and seven on the bench extra reliable to the point they can compete against the starters? How do we make Daniel Gafford stronger, more effective? Yep. offensively and 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 especially defensively, right? Yep. Learn some reads, learn to protect the basket, learn when the ball in his hands to give him a bag. Yep. Right? 
How yeah. it would be great that if Daniel Gafford had them. One at least go three to go tos. At least three go tos guaranteed. Yeah. With three counters. Right. Yeah, I'd, I'd start. I'd settle for one to start out. To be honest with you, <laughs> I actually like Gafford, but like I. I yeah, but you scouted too much. That one you got. Yeah, I I take one. Yeah, his his post game. Uh, is, and I is take him. Over. Stop being on the floor. Yeah. Right. Stop falling down. Um. Yeah. Can Can Denny like um. Can he have more on-ball reps? So is that something you can work on and practice and, you know, um, in, in your time, not as a really uh, helpful and important, I think. Well, the thing is this. Kuzma and Kuzma and Poole is going to take all the, all the energy. Everybody's, everybody on the team is going to focus on that. Sure. Right? Let's stop. The, the game plan this year is going to – let's stop Poolsman and Poole. I mean, Kuzma and Poole and – we're good. We mm-hmm. win. Let's stop. Let's limit them to fifteen and fifteen, right? Each, right? But which means everybody else is pretty much going to be open, mm-hmm. right? Now, if we can show every other, I mean, we're in the NBA. You're not in the NBA if you can't play. So if we start making everybody else a weapon as well. Mm-hmm. That's big, right? Now we're hard to guard. It'd be hard to guard, hard to scout. Now, Kuzma and Poole also can go for 30 if they need to, and we still have the, the role players leaving the game with 10 to 15. Yep. Uh, just side note real quick for anyone watching this live on the YouTube page, uh, apologies, some technical issues on my end. Uh, I have Xfinity, and they're terrible. Uh, that's like a reverse sponsorship for the show. Uh, Comcast, you suck. So my internet just totally went out in the middle of the show. So trying to power through here on an iPad that's got some wireless. So uh, bear with us if the the quality technically is not as good, at least on, on my end here. Um, but yeah, there's, there's always something. We're powering through. We're adapting. That's what we want to see from this Wizards coaching staff this year, too. Can they make some changes on the fly and, uh, you know, roll with the punches? Um, Jahani, just going through the uh, the depth chart here. Uh, Neil DeLal of Hoop District posted this uh, recently. He had point guards, Tyus Jones, DeLon Wright, Ryan Rollins, Jared Butler, one of their two-way contract guys, the kid from Baylor, shooting guard, Jordan Poole, Corey Kispert, Landry Shamit, Johnny Davis. Small forward, he had Denny Avdia, Bilal Koulibaly, Eugene Amaruya, also one of their two ways. Power forward, Kyle Kuzma, Danilo Gallinari, Patrick Baldwin, Anthony Gill, uh, Xavier Cooks, center, Daniel Gafford, Mike Mascala, Tosh Gibson. Still think they're a little light in the front court, but I think that probably means we're going to see some of these other guys be small ball fives, whether that's Gill, Cooks, Kuzma, maybe even Denny. The only pushback I'd maybe have on on Neil's list here is, I, I don't know if he's basing that off of any insight that the team is looking to start Denny Obdia to start the year. I would be surprised personally. We talked about this before. If it's not Kispert, I think that is probably the open competition. Maybe it's matchup dependent, um, but I would expect to see Kispert out there with the starters a lot. Would be would be my guess. So be that that's the one I really want to see how it plays out in training camp. And if- yeah, I was surprised to see that part too. Right? Yeah, I would I, I would think it would be Kispert as well, or them out there together somehow. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because I thought you know, I and you know, I think new coaches usually. Mm-hmm. kind of come in with their own game plan, how they want things to start and how they want to start. Sure. But 
a returning coach usually doesn't switch up that that type of thing much. Yeah. Right. So I'm surprised to see. Um, unless they're and then you try to say, okay, what's the game plan? Why mm-hmm. wouldn't they consider both of those guys out there together? I think somebody's got to not start at that point. And who do you drop? Uh, to me, if you're going to give uh, Jordan Poole some of these more on-ball reps, I, I think, could you not start a Tyus Jones and bring him off the bench? Is that the sacrifice you want to make there? Like, True. To me, or like, what we can do is say, hey, look, we need we need to do it Westbrook style, like Lakers did with Westbrook. Hey, mm-hmm. we need a person who can run who can be give us guaranteed buckets when we take yeah. when we when you know when we take our, another bucket when we take Denny out right yeah. or when we take Corey out we needed somebody who can replace those those shots that's guaranteed mm. right now as a player that's hard to take sure yeah you don't want to be that player. guy right unless you got to be right and um Denny kind of sometimes had a handles that kind of differently you know it's it's confidence can waver yep i agree and so you have to take that in consideration yeah i actively saw him like yelling at wes unsell jr at that game we were i went to one of the clippers games in la and we were sitting right behind the bench and and they were getting into it a little bit and he had pulled denny at some point during that game and i was a little surprised like a younger guy was like willing to give it back to him that much but um yeah you're right I, i think for him especially like for somebody who's had like some shaky shooting and things like that, uh, the confidence is the biggest thing. I don't think you have to worry about that with Corey as much. So maybe he's an easier guy to bring off the bench uh, f- for that reason too. But also, if you don't start Denny, Tyus Jones, a little undersized, he tries hard. Jordan Poole has not played much defense. Corey is an average at best defender. You're going to get cooked in the on the perimeter if if you don't have at least one of those guys out there, I think. I think that's what they know. They know we don't really have any. That's what the organization knows right now that we don't have any defensive presence. Yeah, unless you're going to start like a Delon. That's why they said be patient with us, right? Be patient with us. We'll get there. Yeah, we first of all we need to add some more efficient scoring. Sure. Right, but we guarantee. No, understand that defense wins championships. We don't have any defensive presence right now. Right, we see that. Now, with the, with our player development staff and and what we have, we're going to have to really focus and make that a focal point. Mm-hmm. And to me, just the coaching staff is going to have to make defense a focal point. Let's get our scoring where we can get it right now. But we have to get major stops. Yeah, and if you need stops, like Denny is the guy to put out there to do that. Like he's been yeah, but one, one person, person can't get you on. Stuff. Oh no, I, I'm just saying, like if if the split becomes him and and Kispert, and you're focused on getting stops, you're gonna play Denny. Oh yeah, you put him on the main guy, right? Yeah, I I think I'm totally with you overall though, and hopefully what the Belial Cool Bali pick points to is like we are going to try to draft guys that at least theoretically are more likely to be two way players moving forward. Can this guy pass dribble, shoot, and defend? Like that, that's something that they haven't really uh, prioritized much the last couple years. You got to get two way players because right now, Poole is not a two way player. Not yet. Kuzma is actually a two way player, but he's one when he wants to. Yeah, exactly. He he can take on a tough assignment. Right. Not always the most consistent. But he's not doing 80 games of a tough assignment. Right, exactly. And if right you now. need him to, to be a lot of your scoring, right. uh, that's, a, that's a tough ask. And, 
I don't know, Daniel Gafford's a little bit of both sometimes, depending on the situation and the matchup and, and the night and effort. And I don't know how much caffeine maybe before the game. I'm, I'm going to take it easy on Gafford to see. <laughs> I'm going to give him another chance to the season yeah. starts. I dig it. Uh, I, I really do like Daniel Gafford. I, the way he came in initially after that trade, he like instantly changed their defensive right. intensity. He, their impact. But everybody does that. Do, well, everybody, everybody, everybody brings two hundred percent on a new team. Right, that's fair. You don't really get to see a player to about ten games in. Yeah. Then you say, "All right, this is what we really have," right? Because no one other than Westbrook or Allen Iverson, you know, those type of players, they give two hundred every day. Is no one mm-hmm. or Giannis? It's not everybody. Not <laughs> Right. Nobody really gives 200% all the time, right? Though you, the, the real you comes out eventually, you know, after you want to make your impact and want to make the, make the organization and the coaches know, hey, you didn't make a mistake bringing me here. So as someone who's lived this, I, w- I would love your perspective on if this is a real thing or not. Uh, I'm six feet tall, maybe six foot and a half on a good day. Um, I've primarily played on the perimeter in my basketball career, but I always believe in like reward the big man. Like, you know, you got to give your big guy some amount of offensive touches or he's not going to want to do all the dirty work bullshit for you. And, and for Gafford, when he came in and was playing with Russell Westbrook and this guy would like collapse the defense, he was a lob threat for Westbrook. Like he was the kind of like dump off point. Like that's when we saw the best defensive Daniel Gafford. The last couple of years, we've really kind of lacked in that, like, penetration who's getting into the paint and we've seen less of Gafford offensively but also less of him defensively because of it is there any truth to that like you know if you don't give me some touches I'm not going to do all the other stuff as well as I could like do you buy that at all for what's what's holding him back maybe the last year or two yeah absolutely true it's so it's a it's just I know some players who they used to uh Player development coaches that used to coach Dwight Howard. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. When he was at Charlotte. Dwight Howard, if he wasn't getting his touches, right? He'd stop rebounding. He'd stop, right? He'd stop doing everything. Stop protecting right? the rim. Yeah, stop on purpose. But what he would do most, mostly, would be if, oh, you're not giving me my touches, let me stand in three seconds. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to break the whole play down for everybody at this point. <laughs> I'm gonna stand in three seconds where if I can't shoot it, you can't shoot it either. Yeah, smart, right? Yeah. They'll <laughs> learn pretty quick. Yeah, better. better hey, we gonna get, we all gonna get a three second call. Yeah, right. That's a good so, point. And we get a three second call because I'm asking for it. I'm not leaving this lane. If I don't get it, we get in three seconds. And he would do it on purpose. Even even with Chris, right? He told a story on the, on the podcast the other day, and it's so true. Richard Hamilton missed the pass to me, right? And I was wide open. I'm like, man, Richard shooting everything. Yeah. So he told Chris, hey, he told Richard, hey, man, go over there and holler how they talk to him, say my bad, right? Mm-hmm. When he said my bad, it made me realize, it made me think, okay, he did see me at least, yeah. right? Yeah. So he got me on the next one. I know that. Mm-hmm. So now, so the next one, he threw me, threw me one, I dunked it. Right after that, I'm giving you eight rebounds. Yeah, exactly. You're right. fired up. Ten block shots. Right. <laughs> yep. So with, with what we saw with, with Gafford, right? 
was playing with Westbrook. What does Westbrook bring more than anything? Intensity, energy, hustle. Intensity, energy that he's going to hold Gafford accountable for. Right. Not only that, Gafford's going to feed off of it. Mm-hmm. Right. He's going to demand that from Gafford. And then Gafford going to see also results. Yeah. He's going to get the ball back if he does. He's going to get the ball back. He's going to get results. Right. So once you take that element away, and that's that's the thing that the Wizards know they don't have now, right? Mm. They, that, that element is missing, right? Sure. Now, that's the, that element resonates throughout the team. When you have a guy like a Westbrook, when you when you got a guy like a – when you get rid of a guy like Drew Holiday mm-hmm. or a guy like Marcus Smart, yep. you're getting rid of your defensive coordinator. Yeah. You're getting rid of the foundation of your team, even though somebody else may be the leader. Right. Right. Your identity. Your identity. Getting rid of your identity. Defense wins championships. Defense wins games. Right. When you hold somebody, when there's somebody on a team that's going to get a all in every day and give 110, give 200 like Westbrook will. Right. Mm -hmm. Now he's gone. That. The def- your defensive foundation of the team just goes out the door. Especially someone vocal as Westbrook. Especially someone who demands, who's going to be the man and it speaks his mind, speaks up like that. Mm-hmm. So that's why you see a different Gaffer. It's true. So until we bring another element as strong as that to the team, mm-hmm. especially for a big, big gets no touches. Right. Right. Big going to have to give every pass he gets off the rim. He's gonna have he's gonna have to think anything in the paint is someone invading his home. Right? It's a mindset. You gotta go earn that nickname at this point, right? Like right. So it's a mindset, especially when you don't have offensive skills. Right. I mean, not it's not offensive skills when you don't have a bag. Yeah, exactly. Right? You have to be effective. So Gafford doesn't have anything to feed on, and he's so young, he doesn't know how to fuel that himself yet. Yeah. The other problem that they've had with Gafford is the first couple of years of his conditioning. He said he couldn't play more minutes. He was always tugged on this jersey to come out. And you're like, you're 23 years old. Like, why can't you play 20 minutes in a game? Uh, and then foul trouble has been another uh, challenge for him, too. So if Gafford gets hurt or is in foul trouble a lot, or there's the conditioning flare-ups again, can Mike Mascala and Taj Gibson hold it down for them in the front court by themselves? Uh, to me, they're still really lean. Like this team could use uh, a Jihadi White, like, uh, you know, somebody to, to hold it down for them, protect the rim, control the boards, be a big body for some of these bigger matchups. Like Taj, a little undersized, not as athletic to make up for it anymore. Mascala, more of a, a stretch big kind of guy. Gafford's not the biggest dude. You know, maybe they don't want to win a ton of games this year, but also uh, you, you can't go out and let some of these other teams just big boy you the whole time either. So uh, that that worries me a little bit. It does, but then, then again, it's not too many effective big men in the game. You got sure. Joel, you have Cat, uh, you have... Jokic, I mean, that's, Jokic, that's probably, that's probably right. the list. But. Jokic, right, you have Giannis. But other than that, you know, you're not seeing a lot of effective big men every every day. So they understand that, too. And, then you know, teams are going small. So, but the thing that the 
the the teams with with effective big men are are the best teams, ADs. So yeah. so to be a a contender, you're going to have to compete with those teams. So you're going to have we're in the center position. You know, you know we're 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 light. We don't have what we need there. Gonna have to run and, and, and make these. And the thing is, pay. don't. We got to go overseas and just go find a monster who can move his feet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know what I'm so, yeah. The, I mean, honestly, we don't, like, we gotta, just, you just need somebody who protected. You need somebody like the Boston Celtics have. I can't remember the name for some. No, Robert um, Williams. Robert Williams. You need a Robert Williams. Exact that, right? You know, he's not going to give you a lot offensively, but when he does, he can, he, he can give you something, right? You need a Clint Capella. Right, you just you just need one of those. Yeah, I agree. That I mean, that would go a long way. And I think they wanted Gafford to be that guy. But even the best version of Gafford is still a little on the smaller side to do that. I mean, like Gafford can be that. Gafford is not that much smaller than Robert Williams. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit less bulky in the shoulders because he don't get in the weight room. He right. can bulk he up pushed, easy. He gets pushed around a little bit more. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's not so that the Gaffer thing is, he flops around. He doesn't want to be physical. Yeah. This year, if I'm there, my main goal is getting making Gafford physical, mm-hmm. being able to deal with hits and give hits, being able to take bu- absorb bumps and push pound, not foul trouble, sure. right? Being able to stop guys before they can get in their positions, you yep. know. Uh, being he his mindset is not strong enough right now to be able to take on that every day. That's why he's on the floor. You don't see bigs on the floor a lot. I mean, even when Thomas Bryant was here, he was not a physical defensive presence. But the thing he did well is he made him pay for it on the other end. Bryant beat every other opposing big down the floor, and he made them chase him. And he also stretched out to the perimeter. Gaffer's not going to do that, but. I want to see him be the first big man down the court every single possession. Like if you are like younger and more athletic and not a big bulky dude, make run their ass ragged, beat like just kill him in transition, like do all that run other kind of stuff. Be the first guy yeah. down. But he does it because if you notice on the other end, on the other end of the court, before everybody he's the last one down because he's always on the floor. <laughs> he's been bumped around. It's, it's real. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I know. I keep saying it over and over again, but it's the truth. Sure. Right. Yeah. If I need you down court, you got to be strong enough not to be on the floor, or just because you miss a layup or something, you roll all the way out of bounds. This team flopped and pouted and hung back on the other end of the court last year more than just about any other team. Oh man. I, I watched. Granted, I don't watch other one, teams. If one the if the main player makes that an identity, yeah. It's okay. Right, you're done. You've got no chance if the best nah. guy's doing it, everyone else is going to do it. You've shown them it's okay and they can all get away with it too and um yeah, I don't know. That's that's definitely tough. Uh just pivoting here a little bit. Um got a couple of random anecdotes before you for you before we get out of here. Just uh my good buddy Austin, who's listening to the show right now, uh, was sent me a video clip of uh, he's into like the player trading cards and collectibles and, and things like that. And uh, I guess they were doing like a live opening and the guy who was hosting it 
uh, was wearing a Georgetown number 33 jersey. And he said to me, and I said, I said, oh, is is that Alonzo Mourning? It didn't, because I picture you in a 55, I guess. Right. Um, uh, and then I was like, oh, shit. Oh, you're, you're right. That is that is Jihadi. Um, first of all, I thought that was cool that someone was rocking the Georgetown. But uh, I guess why 33? Why 55? Why the switch? Uh, was there any kind of thinking behind the, the numbers there? So what happened, I, I, I 55 was my number, right? Mm-hmm. And I came in Georgetown wearing 55. I think it was my, so then it's my first two years I wore 55. Mm-hmm. Allen Iverson left, Victor Page left. Coach was like, it's your team now. He was <laughs> like, it's your team. I want, I want to do something like to let you know it's your team. Okay. How do you feel about me giving you Pat? You know, he loved Patrick. Sure. He's like, how about you wear Patrick's number this year and we sell it? Yeah, like, oh, we promote this. Right. Yeah. You wear 33 this year. Mm. Oh, like, coach, I don't like changing my number. I'm not cool with that. I don't, you know, I'm used to 55. I, you know, I don't like I'm real superstitious about certain things. And Jinx, mm-hmm. like, nah, I'd be fine. Like, we I'm letting I'm passing on the, the torch and the ranks to you. This is 33. And, uh, you know, coach is very persuasive. Cool. Sure. You know, yeah. and you just, don't kind of, yeah. <laughs> you just really don't say no too much to him. Because right. obviously that's something if you because if you turn that down. He would think you probably feel like you're turning down the. The responsibility. The responsibility. Or exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was like, all right, coach. So that year I wore 33. You know, it was all in the bookstore and all in the, every store I went around. It was 33. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if it was to keep uh, thirty the, the thirty three alive. I think it was keep thirty three alive, but it's also my jersey. Sure. You know that year, so it was cool to watch. You know, look at hip hop videos and see your best the rapper wearing thirty three, and you knowing by the looks of that jersey, this is this year's jersey, which that that rapper is wearing my jersey. Yeah, that's my yeah, that's cool. Right, right. So, but by the end of the season, I'm like, hey, I gotta have fifty five back. I don't want this thirty three. Sure. I don't like I don't like the way I'm playing in it, you know. Just don't, you know. So I end up getting 55 back my senior year, but that's where the 33 came from. I like that. That's cool. Uh, I'm glad he sent that to me. So shout out Austin. But uh, I, I once once he showed it to me, I had to ask. I knew there was some kind of story there. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I was around Big John just enough to know that uh, he didn't hear no on a lot of that stuff. No, no wasn't an option. Yeah, uh, a couple other ones here. Um, Miles Turner came out uh, on a recent podcast, the Run Your Race Pod. Uh, said, "People don't view us as people. We're property. You get paid millions of dollars. Shut up. That's kind of how the casual fans view us. It feels that way, you know. Just being on Twitter to see how people talk about players a lot of times. I guess did it feel that way to you as a player a lot of time, or, or do you think that's been worse with social media?" You as a as a player, you understand you're Maximus. Aurelius. Yeah, I like that. There you go. You know what I'm saying? That's the reality of it. That's the reality. And the player and the pay and the fans mm-hmm. feel like they're paying your paycheck. Right? Mm-hmm. And your job is to get out there and entertain. And you realize that in situations of when you're getting hurt, 
you realize that in situations to where when you're not able to do what you can do anymore, they're able, they just move to the next one. They, like Kobe said, they don't actually, they're not actually cheering for you. And whoever's wearing that number five jersey. Well, they're cheering for what you can do. Right. Yeah. They're cheering for the entertainment you're doing right now to give them. Sure. Once you're not able to do that entertainment no more, there's on the next part, right? So your job is to entertain. But as a player, you like, I'm not, I'm here because I always love this game. Right. If, if I what I would always say to myself is if you didn't play this game here right now. Would you go back home and play it? Would you go to the gym right now? Yeah. If you weren't being paid, would you if still you be paid? Would you still go to the gym right now and play every day? Yes, you would. Right. So that's and, and then and the paycheck helps it out, too. You know, <laughs> the paycheck kind of cushions a lot of blow. But reality is reality. What so what I what for me, what always really made it prominent, that understanding prominent at times was every year I would come in and be and it'd be like five, six rule league changes, basketball changes that most times didn't benefit me. Mm. And I felt like who had a say in these rule changes? No one that ever was on the floor would have picked this ever had a say in the rule changes. Hmm. The guys who play. Yep. Every, everybody who makes the rule changes or the league changes or a guy can't do this anymore haven't touched the floor. Yeah, they're the ones trying to, like, make it more entertaining. as a Yeah, but they never touched the floor. They never played basketball. Right. That's when I was like, oh, it's not. It's, yeah. that's, that's really when you just feel like, I. Right, I'm on some Maximus Aurelius shit for real. You know what I'm saying? Are you not entertained? Yeah, are you not entertained? What I got to do next? You're going to bring a, a mammoth out yep. with tusk this long, right? Like, so I like it now. What? So what makes me feel better about it now? And and, and reality is reality, especially when you've seen it with James Harden. When, mm-hmm. uh, when a GM could talk terrible about him and put all the news about him terrible in the world. And he calls him one time a liar and he gets fine. Right. Right. So, um, or how, you know, the NBA will put a narrative out before you and, and try to control the narrative. So now it makes you look like you're being greedy. If you're saying, hey, I'm not for this or the lockout and players are being greedy. Yeah. You got an outlet. Compared to the owners, the entire <laughs> team. The entire team's salary can play paired to the owners. What the the one owner of the team is a minimum wage. Yeah. yeah. If you really consider it, it's, it would be equivalent to minimum wage. Yeah. You know, and I'll probably, it, it, but no, in I, the reality, was, in, in the rest of the world, like, like we're getting paid a lot of money, and we understand that. Yeah, when you're talking about a guy that's got $4 billion, though, it's... it's right, uh, when you got to talk about the guy got $4 billion who's trying to save cut corners yeah he's nickel and yeah, he's cutting uh cutting back how much money they spent on training tape and things yeah, like and that. then and then is uh, is able to control the narrative with the he, he controls the information right so once he puts the information like the players are being ungrateful and sore asses that's gonna be the first that's gonna be the first information in that that the world gets to process 
right? Yeah. And you got to understand, none of these players are from money. Sure. Nobody's from money. They're, they're, none of these players have seen a millionaire before they ever seen before they seen themselves. Yeah. Right. So, you know, so I do I I do agree with him. What I do like is I like I like Adam Silver now and how he's giving the players, uh, letting the players have a bigger voice, have a bigger say, at least feel like it, and you know. Until, <laughs> and then social media helps us out too. Now, oh, okay, I'm going to get the, if I'm willing to take the risk, I'm going to get the information out at the same time the team does, mm-hmm. right? Which, Ben, well, we see how that happens. You get fined for that. Honestly, that's why I enjoy stuff like what we're trying to do here so much too. Like the current players, it's a little tough for them to still come out, I think, sometimes and say what they really think, think and especially guys that are, you know, fighting for contracts and aren't the star players. Like, I do think there's probably some negative ramifications for them if they're too outspoken. But you can come in and be the voice of, hey, this is probably what this guy's dealing with. And this is what this is like. Um, So I think that's something we didn't have 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Like, there was no um, player perspective that was easily attainable other than, you know, you see Charles and Kenny on on Inside NBA. Like, that that was kind of it for for a lot lot of time. So. Very cool. Um, two other comments for you here that I, I thought were interesting, and they're both kind of related. Uh, Willie Colley Stein said he left the NBA for Europe because of his dislike for the NBA's one-on-one style. He said, I chose to come to Europe because of the more tactical way of playing compared to the one-versus-one basketball that is played in the NBA today, which is conditioned by the player's desire to produce personal statistics. Here in Europe, every game and every ball is important, not like in the NBA where all 32 games are equal. And Jabari Parker also came out and said the league is watered down. He said, I just want to be a part of something legitimate. I want to be a part of every game matters. Sadly, the NBA is a business, and there are 10 to 12 teams that try to win every game and the other that have to try to get a draft pick. Where does that leave the good players? You either have to be super good or super bad to lose games. It's no excuse to see guys like DeMarcus Cousins, Dwight Howard, John Wall, guys who are potentially going to the Hall of Fame, seeing those guys not have a job. We're seeing the league get watered down, unfortunately. First, Willie Cauley-Stein, you are not in Europe right now because you wanted to play better team basketball. You're in you're in Europe because no NBA team picked your ass up. Like, let's let's be transparent about it. Also, Willie Cauley-Stein, kind of a rebounder, shot blocker, rim runner. Like, he's not part, he's not playing the beautiful game, right? He's not Jokic passing out of the high post and creating for people. I, I think that one uh, is total bullshit. I think Jabari Parker has a little bit more of a point here with, you know, there there are some good guys that would probably be on some of these rosters um, from a production standpoint. Um, but it's the nature of the business, too. And, and also, Jabari didn't go over there because he wanted to play more legitimate basketball. He's in the same boat that Willie Cauley-Stein is. If you were really moving the needle for a roster you would probably find a way to be on a roster. That's just my opinion, but I would love to get your perspective on those things. All right. Well, Willie Colley Stein, I think he was a great player at Kentucky. I think, and I'm a big, I'm a fan of big man. Um, And he's from right up the street in Kansas city. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, so I kind of follow him, you know, throughout his high school career. Um, But, you know, as a big man in the NBA, like it's only going to be so many few that's, can really make 
that's not a position. Center, a big man is not a position to. It's always the least played guy usually on the team, yeah. on the starting five. Yeah. Right. So it's hard to really make an impact uh, beyond a certain less, threshold. Yeah. Beyond a certain threshold as a big. Sure. Um. But any and and, and and like you said, uh, Jabari Parker. I mean, I, you know, I love this game too. You know, he he can he's a more of a scorer. You know, he uh, he was, was pretty great good player. For- he was a great player at Duke. You know, yeah. he he put up some numbers. Mm-hmm. But in the end of the day, these guys would never leave the NBA. You don't ever want to leave it. Even <laughs> even if even that what they're saying is actually true. What they're yeah. saying is true. You know yeah. that and I know that. Sure. Right? We know the game is so one-on-one now to the point that where like it's it's you can't make yourself a star like you used to. Yeah. Like back then in the NBA, you can make yourself a star mm. if you did the right things. And because you sure. you're gonna have those opportunities too. Mm. This game these days, you don't even have the opportunity to try to make yourself a star. Because the star player on the team is is not no everybody's a Kobe. Yeah. This new game, everybody's a Kobe. And if, if Kobe is not, if you're not the Pau Gasol, that that that's only the ones really gonna it's only gonna be a few touch the ball that Kobe trusts you to touch mm-hmm. the ball. He only gonna pass to one to two people on the on the team. And demand everybody else not to give you the ball. Every team is like that now, right? So it is a one-on-one game. So it's a hundred dribbles before you get and to run the shot clock off to try to get your shot off. And if not, you get you getting thrown a grenade. Yeah. You know, league is watered down. League is watered down because the higher ups are trying to make it too entertaining for them, right? They they're determining what entertaining is. Right. Everything is a foul. You can't blow on somebody. It's a foul. Right. So now that's watered down. Like when there were a lot of weapons on the team back then, when you saw Boston with a million weapons and everybody touching the ball and the ball is moving, the Lakers, you know, uh, 76ers, like with Charles Barkley or the, the, the Suns with Charles or those, the Houston. Like you can't tell me the, the NBA. Was it more entertaining then? Right? I, I, I and, like and had more recognizable names. Sure. So sure. they are right. Sure. But but if they had a chance to stay in the NBA, they wouldn't go nowhere. They ain't going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Right? Now what they what they are is saying, wow, I'm overseas now. I get to see a new type of ball. Yeah. This is refreshing. Mm-hmm. They're all saying that. They're now realizing that. And now they're saying, oh, now they're pointing back. But let somebody try to draft them tomorrow and say, hey, we need you for a year in the NBA. (laughs) Doing the same shit, playing your role, not going to become a – you may even be on the bench. Mm -hmm. They're running through that door. Yeah, in a second. In a second. first, First plane back. Don't get it twisted, baby. I, I I agree, but also, like I I like watching European basketball. I enjoyed FIBA. Like, there's got to be a better balance between 
Like I get why the NBA wanted to go away from the Detroit Pistons Pacers playoff series of the early 2000s where the final score was 75 to 65. But I also don't want to see the Rockets beat the Warriors 159 to 156. Right. So like how do you kind of find that happy medium and I don't know that that would be great. Like and which one is better? Hand-checking back, but I you know what how do we find the middle ground? Matt, which which one? If you had to choose to watch one, you had to choose to watch a low scoring game with Detroit against Indiana compared to the rock the, the you know Rockets beat one fifty five to one fifty six. Which one would you want to watch more? To me, if you the had first, to choose one game to watch, and one game never existed. I think I'm a sicko, and this is where the casual fan would not agree. I would pick uh, the slugfest because, um, to me, there's more effort involved there. Uh, I'm surprised because I would definitely not pick the slugfest. You talking, what are you talking about the, uh, the the younger game? I mean, the, the I would I would pick the Pacers Pistons series from the 2000s. I'll pick that too. Any, yeah, anybody would pick that game. Yeah, the, the defensive knockdown, beat you up, drag out. That's more entertaining. You get physicalness. You get you get professional boxing. You get <laughs> if if somebody scores, they had to really score. That that's to me that's more you know. To, in the end of the day, that game is always to me, my personal opinion is going to be much more entertaining. I, I think so. I don't think the casual fan, and especially the younger fan, agrees with us. Like some of the younger guys I play basketball with, like I don't. But know have they seen the slugfest? Other than on on other than you know on Instagram ESPN, or yeah, ESPN classic highlights. Yeah, and, have, like that. and they and they don't watch that. I I yeah, I get it. yeah. So they, to them, so, they want to see yeah. a guy or forty five and be a John Moran and be a star or LaMelo and watch crazy stuff, you know, where, where no one really guarded him, but he like, that's the vibe I get. At least I I think that's what the league wants to do is promote guys with big stat lines and catch people's attention for Twitter highlights and Instagram. And that's where um, the world's going now. Yeah. Which is a bummer. Uh, Because if a John Moran or LaMelo had to deal with the elements from even the elements I dealt with, or the elements sure. before me. Mm-hmm. That that would prove what type of player they really are. Right. So everybody, every star from back then, they were truly stars. Mm-hmm. Right. Only person you couldn't touch then back then was Michael Jordan. Sure. Uh you know, they look at a Chauncey Billups stat line compared to uh, LaMelo's and they're like, oh, LaMelo is so much better because he scores 19 a game and has eight assists and Chauncey was maybe 14 and four, but you got to think about the context with which they played. And the one thing I don't agree with, with Jabari is, is I don't think the league is watered down from a talent perspective. Like I think the 12th best man in the NBA is better right now than the 12th best man in the NBA was 20 years ago do you i mean would you how do you feel about that you you played with the guys you know almost 20 years it depends ago so on, it depends on on in what way the 12th best man in the nba back then was there just for probably physical physicalness and bullying yeah the bang bang you wise feel wise it wasn't there but he he was a bully somewhere sure. now the 12th best man on the nba roster now Skill-wise, is much 
is 10 times better than 12 best men on the NBA back then. Yeah. Right. That's, that's a, where I'm. It's a, it's a much, much concentrated, higher league as far as skills than we ever see. The game is skill wise, it keeps me studying every day as a coach. Mm-hmm. I'm studying and trying to analyze it. Like, wow, they had to, they had to dissect a lot of counters to another counter to come up with this. Like, let's let you know how quickly this game evolves. Yeah. A hard and step back. Like, if you got to say, well, how, how the hell did that come about? Sure. For you to analyze something to be like, how can I? Right. So it, somebody had to stop you in every way possible. You're like, ah, how can I counter that? Then they stop that. How can I counter that? They stop that until you come up with a step back twice <laughs> and realize it's not walking. Yep. For you to reach that solution, that's like a mad scientist. Sure. In basketball terms, right? Right. So yep. now the way they have skill-wise developed this game to science, it's a science now. Yeah. No, I agree. That's amazing to me. Just to watch Jordan Poole out there, like, making micro decisions and doing the moves they're making now in those micro decisions. Yeah, it's impressive. I mean, yeah, it's so impressive. Yeah. I mean, that, you can't deny that. The game is way more skilled and it's it's cool to watch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why I think if you could find the balance of like letting those guys use those skills, but with a little bit more pushback or constraints to go against, yeah. I think that's where you really get something. And I don't know how they do that or what the rule changes for that, but that's where I hope they go. Although a kid I played pickup with the other day did try to do like, I don't know, he, he got from the three-point line to the rim without dribbling somehow between Euros and gather steps. And I, I, I was like... A, Everyone in the gym was like, nope, we're too old for that shit. You can't do it here. I don't right. care if James Harden right. could do it. Yeah. Just That's like when my kids play uh when they when they when they have an old ref. Yeah. So like, I realized an no, no. old referee, everything is a walk. <laughs> if you grew up on 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 Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley and Clyde Drexler, everything a walk. Yep, exactly. Like you're like, <laughs> come on, man. Like catch up with the game. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that'll they'll come around eventually, I guess. Um, last thing, just real quick, uh, I want to get your take on it before we get out of here. Damian Lillard finally gets traded to Milwaukee, relevant to the Wizards as another Eastern Conference team. Uh, they send out Drew Holiday uh, in return. Um, Phoenix gets Drew Holiday, DeAndre Aiden, Tumani Kamara, a 2029 unprotected first-round pick, unprotected uh, Milwaukee pick swap rights in 28 and 2030. And Phoenix gets Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. I think it's great for Milwaukee. I think it was great for Portland. I don't really get it from Phoenix's perspective unless DeAndre Ayton said, like, F it, I need out of here tomorrow. But uh, just your take on the trade, and and are you looking forward to seeing Damian Lillard and Giannis together? Oh, I think it's a great – I think offensively it's a great trade. Mm-hmm. Lillard and Giannis. Um, Efficiency, effectiveness, 
the end of the day, it's all about the guy who has the most points win, right? The team who has the most points win. Sure. But I just feel like when you lose, when you take away a top defensive player, you lose cohesiveness. Sure. Like, not the, you leave, lose the foundation, mm-hmm. right? Um, Drew Holiday, he guarded all the time. He guarded Tatum. He, he's guarding every tough player. That Jimmy, Butler, you Jimmy know, Butler. Jimmy Butler. That's Butler who he him a little bit, but yeah. People don't, People don't value that enough. Like you, you think that can come in? Don't, that's more rare than the person who can shoot the lights out, mm-hmm. right? That's more <laughs> rare. So yeah, you you traded it off for somebody who can shoot the lights out, who can run, who's a who's who's been in a, a marketing desert, right? A desert market. Like only Stop. people who who like Portland are people in Portland. Right. Not saying you don't you do dislike them, but their market doesn't expand outside of Portland. Right. So, I mean, Jimmy, I mean, uh, Damian Lillard should be one of the top faces in the league long ago. Even Memphis has a bigger market in Portland. You know, you know, the Memphis players before you know Portland players. Right. So, I mean, he's a guaranteed Hall of Famer that you just that's just been completely under the radar all because he's been out there and West coast games. It's already hard to see West coast games, right? Mm-hmm. Half the world missed West coast games, you know what I'm saying? But on the and West coast, the they Lakers. don't miss East coast games. If they're not the right? Lakers or the Warriors, they're not showing you on TV. Yeah. Right? So, so it's great that he's finally out of the, the, you know, the, the cemetery, the, like the marketing cemetery. Yeah. But the trade-off, I mean, you got to give something up major to get him. I understand that. But, I mean, Drew Holiday, very smart offensive player. But defensive-wise, man, you're giving up a lot. It's only a few of them. I only know a few of those type players. You got Drew Holiday. You got Marcus Smart. And um, what's my guy for – he's with the – is he with the – is he with Phoenix? I mean, 76ers right now? Uh, Tyrese Maxey is so no uh, uh, PJ Tucker, PJ Tucker. Yeah, it's only three to me. Yeah, yeah those, I mean, look. those guys are so valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, you give up, you don't realize you're giving up. You're giving up another leader on your team. You're giving up cohesiveness. You're giving up somebody like Giannis. Giannis, believe you, believe you me, depending on Drew Holiday for a certain level of foundation and leadership. Yeah, sure. That's completely gone that you cannot sure. replace. Marcus Smart, I think what's going it's going to hurt Boston more than it hurts. That's going to hurt uh, Milwaukee. Giving up yeah. Marcus Smart, like you don't. <laughs> that's that's that terrible. That. That's that's not that wasn't good. It, it's. It's interesting, like, maybe Milwaukee is as best suited to pick up the slack for Dame defensively as anybody because of the back line they have with Giannis and Brooke. But also, you're right. Like, they relied really heavily on Drew to be also their best, like, wing defender. And is Pat Connaughton picking those guys up? Is Marjan Bochamp ready to be their lockdown defender? You know, they, granted, he was kind of old and washed up last year, but they lost Joe Ingles in the offseason, like, Jay Crowder have anything left? Like 
who are the guys that are going to come in and pick up the other team's best guy? And it's not going to be Dame. Um, so that's interesting. I do wonder if maybe they thought, hey, the Drew we saw in the playoffs looked a little slower, a little less athletic. Maybe so they what? thought they were selling early on him. I, I don't know. I don't know if they're Even if you did see that. Line. Even if you did see that, you still have, have no one that could top that. They need to trade for Washington Wizards guard DeLon Wright. I think he would be a perfect fit for them, and they should give us a first-round pick to do it. And I think we would happily take that. Oh, uh, we'll I guess even, we would. I mean, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, we'll even throw I'll in Xavier that. Cooks and, uh, and, and Anthony Gilwell around if we have to to get the deal done. Uh, I'll take that as well. I think they'll be fun to watch, and I'm excited for that. And I don't know, as an Eastern Conference team fan, I think there was a lot of shit talking about the Eastern Conference compared to the West. So if this in any way makes them more likely to make the Eastern Conference come out ahead, I kind of like that too. So uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, uh, John, I think that's all I had for you today here. Anything else uh, you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, I'm good, man. I'm good, man. I appreciate it. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. Good to be back at it, folks. We'll be getting back to this on a more regular cadence. If you have um, questions or things you want us to talk about as the season wrap like ramps up, we'll be hearing more about training camp. Official media day for the Wizards is on uh, Monday, October 2nd. So whatever comes out of that, we'll be ready to, to tell you about next week and break down here on the pod. But if there's anything you hear from the front office, uh, you want the player perspective on Jihadi is your guy. There's nobody else in the Wizards sphere that can give you that. So um you know where to find us. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We're presented by betonline.ag, and we will catch y'all next time. Peace. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.